I hope you like that goat sound. I'm getting I'm getting button happy over here. There's a lot of different things I can do on this app to to make my uh, show a little more interesting. Hi. Welcome to episode three of Odd Only Knows. This podcast is about death culture, true crime, and curiosity. I'm your host, Bridget, or Brigitte, if you choose to be fancy. Hope you're all doing well, having a great week, and so forth. We're almost there. It's Wednesday. Um, So it was sunny this past weekend, but unfortunately... I didn't get to go out and enjoy it too much. Unfortunately, I had to surrender my kitty cat, Lumpkin, back to the SPCA. She's a special needs cat that was more needy than I had imagined, and I didn't have the time to take care of her as much as she needed. So if you're in the Bay Area and you need a chill cat that's an old lady and just wants love and cuddles, and you have lots of time on your hands, at least more so than me, you should check out San Francisco's Mission SPCA. They've got my kitty cat Lumpkin, as well as tons of other cats and dogs. So if you're looking for an animal, they're a great place to go. As I move further into making these episodes, you'll realize not everything is about crime and death, as they have been in the last two episodes. There's a reason why I included the um, curiosity factor within the, uh, you know, title-esque part of the name, I guess. Um, Although the episode that I'm going to be doing today contains this, it also includes some interesting facts about scientific experiments and the brutality that can come along with it. I hope y'all like cats, because this episode is all about them. But hopefully you've got a strong stomach, too, because this isn't going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Um, Some other things I did to kind of cheer myself up from this little lumpkin thing, my little kitty. I decided to buy a ticket to Spain, so... (laughs) I'll be going out of the country for the holidays, which will make me super happy. Somewhere new to go. And um, I also ate lots of chocolate today, so that also made me very happy. So let's go to the first part of our episode here. It's about the Princeton cat experiment, turning a cat into a phone. Now, if you do follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you'll see that I did do like a teaser Tuesday type thing where it was a a cat with a telephone. Um, Nobody guessed on it. I'm hoping I get some more listeners to kind of see what's going on. Um, They can people can start guessing if you're listening and you have access to social media, please comment or guess when I send out those little doodads things on Twitter and Instagram. So in an experiment conducted in 1929 by Professor Ernest Glenn Weaver and his research assistant, Charles William Bray at Princeton University, they took 
an unconscious but alive cat and transformed it into a working telephone to test how sound is perceived by the auditory nerve. Now, who the heck would have guessed that? I mean, like, really, who has this amazing idea to be like, oh, let's just take a cat and turn it into a telephone. Let's just put up wires next to it and see what happens. I bet it'll turn into a telephone and work. Like, what? What? I guess they didn't have much else to do back in 1929. So to do so, they first sedated the cat and opened its skull to better access the auditory nerve. A telephone wire was attached to the nerve, and the other end of the wire was connected to a telephone receiver. Ray would speak in the cat's ears, while Weaver would listen through the receiver 50 feet away in a soundproof room. To me, this sounds like when we were kids and would use the two cans with a string attached to talk to each other from like 10 feet across the room or in the other room. It sounds exactly the same, except with, uh, except it's the fucked up cat version. Let's go with that. (laughs) The common notion during this time was that the frequency of the response of a sensory nerve is correlated to the intensity of the stimulus. In the case of the auditory nerve, as the sound becomes louder, the frequency or pitch of the sound received by the air should be higher. When Bray made a sound with a certain frequency, Weaver heard the sound from the receiver at the same frequency. As Bray increased the pitch of the sound, the frequency of the sound Weaver heard also increased. Duh, that seems really repetitive, but uh, I'm just taken by what's on my notes. This experiment proved that the frequency of the response in the auditory nerve is correlated to the frequency of the sound. To further validate their experiment, Weaver and Bray performed more trials with varying conditions. When they placed the wire on other tissues and nerves away from the auditory nerve, the telephone receiver did not produce any sound. Yeah, no shit. The Princeton cat survived the first experiments, but the scientists went for another round, deciding to kill the cat and try again. But of course, it was not successful. From their findings through these experiments, Weaver and Bray were awarded the first Howard Crosby Warren Medical of Society by the Society of Experimental Psychologists in 1936. That is a mouthful. Howard Crosby Warren Medal of Society by the Society of Experimental Psychologists. All right, say that five times fast. Soon after, Bray became an associate professor at Princeton University and later became the associate research director of the U.S. Air Force Human Resources Research. During World War II, he served as one of the leading scientists of the civilian psychological research for both the National Defense Research Council and the Navy. As for Weaver, he became the head of the Department of Psychology at Princeton and worked with Dr. Julius Lempert of the Lempert Institute of Otology to research on autosclerosis, an abnormal bone growth in the ear that leads to hearing impairment due to the ear's inability to amplify sound. 
During World War II, Weaver was a consultant to the National Research Council on anti-submarine warfare. He found that men with musical abilities were the best sonar operators, regardless of what instrument they played. Surprisingly, Weaver and Bray were not particularly interested in the practical use of their discovery. Instead, they cared more about the protocol and mythology to run these tests. The, te the techniques they developed for the experiment were highly renowned by physicians who used them to study the human hearing. Their research laid a foundation for cochlear implants, devices that convert sound vibrations into electrical signals to the brain. This stimulates the auditory nerve to create a sense of hearing in deaf individuals. So although they used uh, animal experimentation and abuse, I guess, uh, essentially it, it's benefited people with hearing um, problems or being deaf. At least that's what they're saying. It, it leaded the way to, led the way to, uh, to the cochlear implant. Also, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. I work with people that do, you know, head neck type deals and I should know better. <laughs> I should have found out the proper, the proper uh, way to pronounce that. So moving on, that's kind of a weird story. I kind of just found that by accident. I don't, I don't even know what I was researching, but I saw something pop up about the Princeton experiment with cats and it, and maybe I was looking at the Stanford experiment. If you don't know anything about the Stanford experiment, I'll probably be doing that one soon. Um, about the taking, you know, like eight students from Stanford for making four of them, you know, faux, prisoners and the other four into like the um, prison guards and it was a whole thing it was a whole psychological experiment and apparently I think Princeton did it too um, and then this cat thing came up so that was kind of a weird find all right this next one is a little bit more bizarre and fucked up um, so if you don't want to hear sad things about kitties, cover your ears, tell the little ones to go away, because this is fucking weird and fucked up. The U.S. Department of Agriculture, or the USDA, <clears throat> excuse me, had been purchasing cats and dogs at meat markets abroad to use in gruesome experiments in the United States service in the name of research that had a very limited impact on improving public health. These experiments involved feeding their body parts to healthy cats, as well as injecting them into mice. The USDA spent over a decade conducting these bizarre experiments to research toxoplasmosis, an infection caused by the common parasite Toxoplasma gondii. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced gondii. I'm not a doctor, so I have no idea, but it's spelled G-O-N-D-I-I, -I, Gandhi, 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 
Toxoplasmosis is one of the most common parasitic infections in the world, according to the CDC. It is also a leading cause of death due to foodborne illness in the U.S. Which is weird because you hear a lot of E. coli. Especially, well, nowadays, I guess you hear a lot of um, necrotizing fasciitis more than anything. That's been a common thing lately. Um, but okay, moving on. New thing. Learn new things every day. Humans can become infected in various ways, such as by eating undercooked meat or shellfish that is contaminated with T. gandhi cysts and drinking contaminated unpasteurized, unpasteurized goat's milk or through exposure or through exposure to cat poop. Yes, cat poop. Indeed, cats play an important role in the life cycle of the parasite. They become infected by eating infected rodents, birds, or other small mammals, and then can shed millions of oocysts in their feces for up to three weeks. So basically, what I'm getting out of this is if your animal slash cat is bringing you dead birds and lizards, maybe not, I guess not lizards, but birds and rodents to your doorstep as, uh, you know, gifts, which is very nice of them, just beware that they might be infected. And while the parasite typically only causes mild infection, people may have flu-like symptoms, in people with weakened immune systems, infections can cause serious problems, from seizures to severe lung problems. So going back to these uh, lab researches um, and this cannibalism, by feeding the lab cats the tongues, hearts, and brains of dogs and cats from abroad, the USDA hoped to understand how prevalent toxoplasmosis was in animals around the world. Justin Goodman, the vice president of the White Coat Waste Project, said, These kitten cannibalism experiments have absolutely no relevance to human or animal health and frankly sound more like an entry in the diary of a burgeoning serial killer than anything else. Honestly, I hadn't known anything about the White Coats before researching this, so if you don't know, Here's something directly from their website that kind of gives you a glimpse of what it is they do. White Coat Waste Project's team of seasoned issue advocates, scientists, doctors, and political strategists combine grassroots tactics, media campaigns, diverse coalitions, creative legal tools, and lobbying to expose and stop government spending on wasteful animal experiments. We're the only group focused on bringing together waste hawks, science advocates, animal lovers, and liberty lovers to cut $15 billion in spending that hurts animals. The White Coast, wait, White Coast, White Coat, it's not Coast. <laughs> the White Coat Waste Project says that they can, uh, that they think these cat cannibalism experiments started in 2003 and continued until at least 2015, but it's unclear where they are still going, whether or not they're still going on now. Uh, now, I'm not trying to get all political, but this kind of shit just shows you how much the government hides from us 
you know, I didn't know anything about this until I ended up down a rabbit hole of weird information on animals. And it's just crazy how these sorts of things are being funded with our tax money without our knowledge. And this in particular cost us about $22 million in our taxpayers' money. So just think about that. There's other, I came across some other weird things uh, recently from people on the online, <laughs> in particularly Instagram and their conspiracy theories about government and how we're being poisoned, yada, yada, yada. So uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, I don't really have anything more to say on that. If you're a conspiracy theorist, send me an email. I want to know all about what you think about these sorts of things. So there is a report that lists multiple cases of the experiments. For example, in one instance, more than 300 Colombian shelter dogs were killed and their brains, tongues, and hearts fed to USDA lab rats. In another, nearly 50 stray cats from Ethiopia were killed and their hearts fed to mice in the lab. These experiments, along with the others conducted on kittens in the USDA's Agricultural Research Services Animal Parasitic Disease Laboratory, or APDL, in Maryland, all fall, all fall under the umbrella of toxoplasmosis research. Last year, the same group released a report on another project at the lab in which researchers bred up to 100 kittens, 100 kittens each year. Once the kittens turned two months old, the researchers fed them raw meat that was contaminated with the parasite. Then the researchers harvested the parasite's eggs from the kittens' feces for use in food safety experiments. But then, after that, the researchers euthanized and incinerated the no longer useful but perfectly healthy kittens, kittens that could have been adopted. Like, this is like the most fucked up part of it. I mean, these cats were just two months old, and because they didn't have any use, even though essentially they were healthy, they just fucking killed them. Like, who the fuck do these people think they are? The White Coat Waste Project alleged that the USDA is thought to have killed nearly 4,000 kittens in this way. The project was still ongoing as of a couple months ago, but lawmakers recently reintroduced a bill called the Kitten Act, first introduced last year, I'm pretty sure that was last year, that if passed could permanently end the USDA practice of killing kittens. The White Coat Waste Project's report found that research that had a major impact on the field of toxoplasmosis mostly occurred before these bizarre experiments with cats even began in the early 2000s. FYI, Goodman from the White Coat Waste Project said that he thinks the fact that the USDA has not even tried to defend what was exposed is evidence that they really don't have a good reason why they did this. You want to know the one positive part of the story, as positive as it could be, is that the USDA uh, said it is in the process of putting the 14 remaining uninfected cats up for adoption by agency employees. So yay, 14 cats out of, what do they say, 4,000. So that's something. So that's it for this episode. Please check out my website. 
www.oddonlyknows.com. It's got information on the subjects from each episode, should you choose to want to go further down into the rabbit hole of information and discover more about them. You can also find my contact information and a link to my Instagram and Twitter if you have any suggestions about improving the show, comments, or even subjects you want me to cover, please send me a DM or email. Um, I've got lots of links you can click on if you go to my website um, if you just want to see more stuff. So it's pretty cool. Thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, It's been fun. And I will see you next time.